Welcome to the Thriving Farmer Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Kilpatrick. Our mission is to inspire, educate, and celebrate sustainable farming. We believe that you can build a profitable, sustainable farm that gives you true farm freedom. Join us as we talk to farmers, innovators, educators, and entrepreneurs to glean their top takeaways in business and life. Hey, Thriving Farmers, Michael Kilpatrick here with another episode of the Thriving Farmer Podcast. And today I'm doing something a little bit different. So recently I got a questionnaire in the mail, came through my parents actually, from a young lady who visited them while they were at the farm in New York. And I, by that time, I think moved on to Ohio and started our new businesses. But they sent a questionnaire as she is interested in getting started in farming. She's a freshman in college this year. And so she is just saying, hey, I want to start a farm or I want to start farming. I want to get into agriculture. And I think a lot of her interest lies in that she's spent some time in Ghana and uh, done some teaching over there and looking to do more teaching in Ghana, especially around agriculture to help them with their production. So it's me. It's 5 a.m. or actually it's 6 a.m. now. And I'm just going to go through these questions one by one and uh, try to give a little bit of feedback to uh, someone who is maybe they're young. They're interested in getting into agriculture, maybe a little bit older, and just wondering what if you were to get into agriculture, what that would entail. So we'll start out with question number one, which is what training does a career in agriculture require? Well, there's a number of different training. And again, there's obviously professional training, which would be more of like a college course or something like that. And then there's the boots on the ground training as well. And both are important. I would say the boots on the ground and I guess street smarts or farm smarts are going to be super important as well. Because if you're a farmer and you don't know how to change the oil or you don't know how to get a truck unstuck from you know mud, then you're going to have a lot more trouble than if you don't quite know um, which fertilizer you need to use because a lot of that stuff is relatively easy to find out. So what I would say is, yes, you need a basics in uh, science biology that's helpful. I went through high school, and that's basically all the training I have in those. Obviously, I've done training since then, um, but it's not necessary to have years and years in study. So I would say, you know, the boots on the ground is going to be far more important. And what I'd recommend is during your summers or even during semesters, if you can get the availability to do that, is visit a wide variety and work on a wide range of farms. Everything from greenhouse operations to animal operations across the country in different climates. If you are thinking of going to a specific area, let's say um, I believe this woman wants to go to Ghana, then I would recommend you work in the south. Um, especially Florida, um, where it's w warmer, you're going to have more of a, a, a same similarity in climate. You know, some of those are going to be just really helpful to understand the aspects over there too. So that would, so I would say about that one. All right. So question number two is, are you in a particular branch of agriculture? What additional train, additional special training did that require? So where we are now is we have a farm. It's about an eight-acre urban farm in southwest Ohio. So we are growing zone around six-ish. Um, so that means actually we had to, hopefully tonight is our last frost. It's a little bit chilly still. And normally we would have our last frost around May 1st or so. And then in the summer, it can get up to high 90s, maybe even breaking 100. And uh, we're relatively humid here in the Miami Valley. So... We grow a mix of vegetables, so in-ground production for vegetables in uh, high tunnels and, and hoop houses as well. 
as well as horticulture, um, which would be like six-pack flowers, four-pack flowers, tomato plants, bedding plants, that sort of thing, as well as mushrooms and woody ornamentals. So a lot of food production for us, not a lot of com no commodity production. And as of right now, we're not doing animal production. That may change, but right now we just don't have the capacity to do that on this property. So additional special training. So obviously being in horticulture, being in the vegetable production requires uh, extensive training because those are not necessarily easy crops to grow. When I say easy crops to grow, you you know growing a tomato in your backyard in a pot is, is easy but now growing a hundred tomatoes in a greenhouse with this uh, you know the specific systems and the fertilizer and pushing them for you know to, you're getting 20 25 30 pounds of tomatoes per plant that takes a lot of additional training and skill so on some of that some of those that training was attending a two-day class on tomatoes um, in quebec you know just getting diving into some of the best of the best and just being trained by them around these very specific topics. Going to horticulture and uh, vegetable trade shows. So the New England Vegetable Growers, if you're interested in vegetables, is one of the top ones out there. And I believe there's other ones in the country as well. So like the Mid-Atlantic has one. I'm pretty positive that something down in Florida would have some sort of trainings like that on for the Southwest from where the, the warm production of, of crops down there. And uh, so some of these these conferences are absolutely fabulous. There's plenty on the West Coast as well. Um, and especially the organic ones do a really good job of usually being really diving deep into the actual um, nuts and bolts of production. So again, make sure you're picking it for a production conference, not necessarily just an organic farming conference because those tend to have a lot of other topics as well, not just if you're trying to just get the aspect of learning how to grow. Um, that's what you need to focus on. So obviously, you know, specific crop production. Now, with all of agriculture, you're going to need to know how to manage a business typically. And so I think that's just um, across the board, something you'd be interested in is taking additional business classes and uh, understanding you know, the finance, the, the running of a business, the management of a business. All right, so what natural abilities or interests are needed for a career in agriculture? One of the, the first thing I would say is uh, tenacity. Um, farming's tough. There's no doubt about it. It's a ton of fun. It can be incredibly rewarding, but it is tough. So you need to be able to get up every morning and get out and get it done. Get after it, as my friend Jordan says. So I think that that's number one thing. And, and problem solving, too, because you'll come across uh, tomatoes aren't looking right or the lettuce is you know, not not growing right. And you have to be able to figure out how it. what's, what's the problem with it. So that's an aspect too. Um, I, I think another aspect would be, as I said earlier, farm smarts. So just growing up, not necessarily grow up all the time on a farm, but you know, getting some experience on a farm with the, the basics of mechanics and the basics of understanding how things work. Uh, just even how to handle a pitchfork or a shovel are key. I think a lot of people don't know how to do that. Change a tire, patch a tire even. Um, can be really uh, learning to weld. I would absolutely, anyone going into farming, I would absolutely take a couple classes in welding because it can save you um, so much money and uh, help you as you're fabbing or just fixing things. Okay, so, uh, but back to natural interests. Um, I think you just have to be inquisitive too. So you always have to be thinking, always have to be learning, asking questions. That's going to be your uh, best aspect for figuring things out is just being able to ask questions. 
um, and being able to stand the heat and the cold too. So if you're you know a wimp when it comes to that, that's going to be kind of tough to farm because you're usually working outside or even in a greenhouse during the summer or during the warm season, it can get quite warm in there. So you have to be able to stand that as well. Um, physically active, yeah, that's great, but I do know some farmers which are um, handicapped and they definitely are able to still farm. So um, you just have to kind of be more the brains of the operation and uh, you know let actual people do some of the physical in the ground work. So that's definitely something to think about as well. Uh, next question is, is there good jobs available for those who choose agriculture? Well, what's your definition of a good job? Um, and what do you want the business or the job to do for you? So, you know, obviously, if you're starting out as just like someone in the field picking tomatoes, um, you can be paid minimum wage plus piece rate. Um, some of those on the West Coast, some of the harvesting jobs are make really good money, but they're incredibly hard working. So if you're harvesting strawberries, you can make good money at that. If you're harvesting, uh, let's say, things like um, iceberg lettuce, yes, you can make really good money at that. But Iceberg Lettuce has a four-year, almost college-like degree. You have to, that basically it takes a couple years to actually get really good at it. Um, so yeah, starting out, it's pretty low wage. And you know, if you are a really good manager, if you've demonstrated you can manage an entire farm, there's actually good good careers out there. So we see people $40,000, $60,000, even um, eighty dollars to $100,000 if you're managing a farm, especially when you move into the nonprofit world. Uh, but you have to be able to manage well. So you have to be able to put together a seating plan. You have to be able to put together a team. You have to be able to you know lay out the farm um, rotation, get stuff planted, harvested, sold, that sort of thing. But if you can do that, you can make really good money. At farming. Now, that's for working for somebody else. If you want to work for yourself, obviously you can make as much money or as little money as you choose or you're able to. So I know multiple farmers that easily make six figures a year. They've been doing it for a while. So as with any business, it's not going to be within six, 12 months you're raking in the money. It's going to be, you know, the three to five year mark is when you really start to get your systems and processes dialed in and crops really just start to grow and your marketing really starts to uh, dial in and then you really start making good money. So, um, so yeah, absolutely. There's good jobs at the beginning. If you don't find the right one, it can be challenging, but what I would say is if you're in that aspect the first couple of years of just trying to figure it out, trying to work through it, trying to build your education in the space, doing some of those low paying jobs, if you can get on the right farms, so are going to be way more valuable in education than you could ever be in the amount of money that you could make on, a, on like a more higher paying one. So at the beginning, go for the education, not the pay rate. This podcast is brought to you by Stuart, and Dan is from Stuart. He is here with another tip. Dan, talk to us about entity type. Why do farmers need to have a, a entity set up? This is always an exciting topic for farmers. Uh, yeah, I mean, no, no farmer got into farming to deal with the regulatory or legal structure of their business. And um, but the reality is, a lot of farmers they start informally. They're growing. They're selling. They're not thinking about setting up a formal business. Their books are, you know, not necessarily the focus. Shoebox. But the problem is when you don't have an entity set up and you go for financing, you're not considered a serious business. You know, it's mm -hmm. not that you have your assets segregated, your personal and business assets. So, so although it seems daunting, setting up an entity 
often can take a few days, cost 50 to $100. Um, an LLC, which is limited liability company, is the most common method that protects your assets. So it keeps the business separate as an entity, but it also flows through personally to you. So you get the benefits of any losses or, or revenue as it flows through. Those can be filed with the secretary of state in whichever state you're from. Normally the costs are, you know, $100 to set up and maybe $25 to $50 a year, depends on the state. Um, some other farmers use sole proprietorships that doesn't require a filing uh, to set up, but the problem is it doesn't shield any legal liability. If you're selling products to customers, there's always some potential risk of, you know, that some, that something is wrong. And so it, it's wise to have that segregated. So it's not just the, the legal liability separated, but it's just the professionalism. If you're preparing financial mm-hmm. reports for, for a lender and you have three years of business statements as an actual entity, it's gonna go a long way. We, we do have a lot of farmers that come to us that don't have entities set up. We help advise them on set up an entity, get everything organized, let's do the funding. It often delays things a few weeks to a few months because it's, you know, they just haven't done it and they're overwhelmed, it takes some time. So it's, it's not a uh, denial, it's not necessarily a no, but, but certainly for more traditional lenders and traditional funding, um, if you don't have an entity set up, they don't necessarily view you as a viable farm, mm-hmm. whether or not you're a good farmer, whether or not you're actually doing well in selling products. It's just the, the kind of professionalism around having one. Yeah, absolutely. And here in Ohio, it's super simple. I mean, literally you can get it in 24 hours, 48 hours, as you said. Um, so you'd want to set that up and then separate bank accounts is always, I think, key. And uh, some states require um, bylaws, some don't. So you just want to check with your secretary of state and see what they actually require. But it's typically very simple to set up. And uh, again, it's it's something you should do because as a professionality and uh, shielding yourself from liability. And, and I also think it's wise to reach out to pro bono legal organizations in your state. Often there's lawyers who are willing to help small scrappy farmers. It's kind of uh, for passion and just to help clients that necessarily can't afford the services. So they can help you prepare an operating agreement, which is the entity that governs the ownership of the LLC and the rights and the controls. They can help you with bylaws. So, you know, take advantage of the fact that that small farms are perceived as uh, obviously by lawyers, not necessarily willing to pay like corporate customers. And oftentimes you yeah. can find someone who will do work for, for products or uh, do a pro bono and help them get you formalized and set up, obviously, because it's something that the farmers themselves are not generally interested in. Absolutely. So the question number five is, would you rate the opportunities for advancement as poor, fair, good, or excellent? We kind of covered that a little bit in the previous question. But what I would say about this is that if you, there's a shortage currently of good managers for farms. Um, we get asked all the time for good people and uh, for especially farm managers. And um, there's never like, I'm, I'm not very able to pull together a good list. There's always a few people. Um, but again, with farms being, you have to be on site. Um, usually then that is something that people have to be willing to move for that. So I'd say there's absolutely opportunities for advancement depending on what you're looking for. Now, if you decide to not go into, let's say the actual farming side, but let's say you go into a support industry because we didn't cover this so far. Support industry would be, let's say something like uh, extension or working as an agriculturalist for a seed company or um, you know, let's say you work for a greenhouse company and you do, um, you know, basically a salesman or something. So there's a whole support industry for farming. 
um, which is also you know robust as well. Especially in the last couple of years, there's been a massive increase in sales for local food and just uh, food in general. And so um, you know farmers are very looking to expand, to grow, and they need a lot of these supplies. So there is, I think, good advancement there. Um, it's a very unique job. I mean, like there's only like a half dozen people in the world which are experts in carrot breeding. So um, it's a very, very small industry, which is unfortunate. So because we have to realize that being such a small industry, if you just lose one or two people in the industry, it can be almost catastrophic for the industry. So that whole side of things, you know, very interests me, the whole seed side. Um, a lot of that's done in Israel. Some of that's done in Africa, uh, the West Coast, Oregon. There's some, a lot of seeds done out there in the dry climate out there. So um, yeah, there's a there's a number of different opportunities if you go into the you know more extension aspect or the support industry, and um, yeah, I mean like seed companies for the last two years have not been able to keep up with the seed orders, and so that's been you know very stressful but also very lucrative for them as well. Number six, can you list a particular advantage of being an ag agriculturalist, a particular disadvantage? Well, your advantage is you know how to grow food. So, I mean, the aspect of the world going crazy, I mean, look at the East Coast right now when we're recording this. This is sh shut down for several days now because of lack of fuel. Um, obviously, it sounds like they're rectifying that, but let's say that lasted for a bit. Let's say people couldn't get to the store. They couldn't get food. If you're growing, if you're a farmer, you're in the absolute best position in a case like that. And you know, if there is massive turmoil or disturbance in um, a economy, as a farmer, as someone that knows how to grow food, you're incredibly valuable. Um, someone that you know colors hair. You know, I'm not trying to knock on people that color hair or, or hairdressers, but during the pandemic, you know, people just didn't get their hair cut. But farmers were cranking out food, and people were buying it. Um, disadvantage, you know, I don't think there's a massive disadvantage. I think it's it, the thing is with being an agriculturist, being a farmer, you're really good at problem solving. So typically, you can transition into any industry and make really good money um, because if you can problem solve, that means you can also learn quickly, and so you can easily transition to other jobs. So I wouldn't say there's any necessary disadvantages. I'd say you're not going to be walking into a white collar job to start off with. I mean, let's say you go to school for law as a lawyer, um, you graduate from Harvard, you probably can walk into any number of law firms and start making six figures very quickly. But as a farmer, um, unfortunately, that's probably not going to be the case. Again, after a number of years, you will start making good money. But um, you know, typically when we're in farming, we're not in it for the money. And uh, we're in it because we love it. We're in it because we want to feed people and we want to steward the earth. So next question number seven would be, do you have any special advice for someone interested in agriculture, such as college courses to take, things to study? Yeah, that is, there's some great aspects here. And so this is where I kind of deviate a little bit from a lot of the current advice out there. I mean, it's great that you're going to college, great you're interested in that, but I would, if I were you, limit it to a two-year degree. And you're going to focus, take a few courses on botany and science, but focus your courses on business and marketing. Um, my mentor, Paul Arnold, always says, first you're a marketer, then a business owner, or business, um, and then finally a grower. Because it ne you need to learn how to market your crops. Um, because if you can't sell it, it's expensive compost, and you can grow out of business real quick. So focus on learning the marketing 
um, then the business management. So take some classes in uh, financing, QuickBooks, um, accounting, um, you know, a social media, and especially with social media, it's changing so fast that usually the college courses you're going to take are going to be outdated by the time you take them. So take it in more general marketing theory. I mean, there's uh, get a good foundation in that, and that will go a long way. And then kind of update your resume with you know off the shelf courses um, from private individuals, which are currently usually currently up to date on that kind of thing. Um, again, so let's talk about the mechanical side of this of farming. So take a course, if you can take a course in plumbing or wiring or welding, um, mechanical engineering, you're going to be uh, much further along your path too. So again, get some trade experience, get some science and botany experience, um, but also get some experience in business and marketing. And you'll be a very well-rounded person who can take your farm to the next level very, very quickly. Are there any current problems facing by most agriculturalists? Absolutely, there's massive problems right now. Um, and a lot of them stem from the government. And, uh, you know, we recently were trying to put a small retail farm stand here in Ohio. And uh, we've spent over $10,000 so far just in um, before we even broke ground. So it was basically the cost in um, engineer work and my time to kind of put together all the applications, three different meetings with the city planning commission. And, uh, you know, basically we had to do all of that before we could get the all approval to then come back and say, all right, so now this is what we want to do. How do we do that? And figure that the investment was going to be somewhere around north of $100,000 to put together a literally a very small retail establishment. So um, I would say the number one thing hurting farmers is government um, overreach. Everything from, you know, um, labor aspects to, uh, oh, you can't sell this because you have to be certified or you have to have this particular kitchen or you have to, or they're coming in worried about your waterways or they're, you know, poking their nose in about um, the seed quality, all this kind of stuff. And yes, a lot of that was put there because they with the best of intentions, some of it not, but a lot of it's put there the best of intentions, but all it does is really hamstring entrepreneurship and cause farmers to struggle. Um, you know, if I hadn't had to spend a dozens and dozens of hours on this this year, we, there's so many other things I could have spent my time on. So I would say that's a massive aspect of it. Climate change is gonna be another aspect of it. And again, climate change takes a lot of different ways. It's not necessarily that we are going into an ice age, that the world is going to end, but climate swings. So again, as I said tonight, we have a we had to row cover a bunch of stuff because it was going to get down to thirty six degrees, and um, those swings of having you know really late frosts and the, you know then in two days going to eighty to ninety degree weather is something that's we're seeing more and more of. It's just these massive swings and changes, and then massive rain events. So my friend Ray Tyler used to be able to farm outside. And he's in Tennessee. Now he farms 100% undercover just because they were getting uh, 30 inches of rain a month and they could never get out and plant their crops. So they had to move indoors. So there's, you know, the climate change, there's government intervention. I would say there's also um, the aspect of just uh, navigating the current labor market. So right now it's incredibly challenging to hire good people. 
Um, if you're the right operation, you can hire good people, but it's really, really challenging. So um, those are, I think, the three big things. I mean, right now we're seeing relatively good supply chains. I mean, obviously there is an aspect there, but I think that's more currently temporary. Um, right now we're seeing, you know, a massive influx of people that are adding value to the, the farming community with supply houses and uh, YouTube channels and podcasts like this and all sorts of other things. So there's a lot of uh, information coming out there, but I would say the the main problems are going to be those three that I named. Uh, question number nine, why did you choose agriculture as your profession? That's a great question too. So I just love growing things and love getting my hands in the dirt. Um, so we grew up gardening and that kind of transitioned into doing some other agriculture aspects and then back into growing vegetables in around 2004, 2005. Um, you know, it's absolutely love just walking out to the farm and seeing the beautiful rows of vegetables, all the, you know, the strawberries we got, we're just starting to pick strawberries right now. And that's so much fun to just look down the beds and see the, all those red ripe jewels just laying there in the rows. Um, lettuce, looking at a beautiful field of lettuce, you know, bringing in winter squash at the end of the year, these big bulk bins of winter squash. Um, and I think the problem solving too. So I love the aspect of being able to see, hey, we got a problem here. How do we solve it? Um, and I think the other thing with agriculture is your every day is different, especially if you have a team, if you can set your, your life up like you want, um, then you're not going to be harvesting lettuce all the time. You'll do some harvesting of lettuce. You'll do some you know, repair of irrigation. You'll talk to some customers. You'll um, work on some designs and plans to build you know, new infrastructure. So it's a very varied uh, career. And uh, that, that excites me is just that aspect. And I th the other aspect too is feeding people is, you know, I realize that out there right now, the food industry is in shambles. We have some really challenges with getting good food to people. And so that's, I love being able to, uh, people that trust us and come to get our vegetables and being able to feed them and educate them on what good food is. So I think that's kind of the, what I wake up every morning excited about is that aspect of we produce a premium product it's grown the best that we know how to grow it, nutrient dense, we're um, picking at the peak of ripeness, and we are stewarding our section, our little corner of the world. So there you go. Again, I wish you absolutely the best in your farming career. It's again, incredibly rewarding. It is incredibly needed. We need good people doing good things in the agriculture um, because there's so much, uh, there's, we have so many challenges right now we're facing with you know groundwater contamination, um, water. So what, I just read an article this morning that the West Coast literally, will not, some of these counties will not get a drop of water because the drought is so severe. Um, so we need good people, especially that are gonna be farming in other places other than California um, that do have water and uh, again, I love the aspect that you're interested in uh, working in Ghana and uh, really kind of bringing to those people a renewed interest and a new renewed education around farming. So best of luck. And uh, if you have any other questions, feel free to reach out. And again, listen to the other podcasts on here. Again, we have over 120 now episodes that can give you uh, great information about all sorts of aspects of farming from you know flower farming to vegetable farming to animal farming to tree and nut farming. So there's a lot of great information out there to get you onto the right. All right, that wraps up this episode of the Thriving Farmer podcast. Hope that was helpful, folks. Again, that's just my takeaway, my aspect of all of this. And uh, obviously I came from not having a professional degree in horticulture. And uh, on one aspect, I wish I'd done a few more classes on that. It would have been helpful with some of the ID, but 
the cool thing about being a farmer and the cool thing about, especially in the U.S., is there are amazing resources for farmers all around the world. Um, so if I have a horticulture question, I can go to um, extension agents or part of listserv or, again, our small farm university is a fabulous resource for folks that are trying to grow their farms. Um, so all of those resources, um, again, for the growing side are great. The problem side everyone struggles with is the business and the marketing and the management. And that's why we teach what we teach in the small firm university. So again, if you're gonna go to college, if that's something you did and your parents decided you need, then I would get those classes there. But otherwise, you know, there are a lot of after college courses out there that can get you on the same track as well. Hey, Thriving Farmers, have you checked us out on YouTube lately? We have a bunch of new content there, including a few rants by me. I uh, want to tell you, you don't want to miss them. Um, I actually go rant about you know some of the problems I see in our space and some of the challenges I see farmers uh, facing. So go check that out. We've got instructional videos over there as well. Talk about setting up our new farm here in Ohio and all the steps we're going to do that, as well as just tutorials and tips on best practices for all sorts of things on the farm. So go ahead, check over at Growing Farmers on YouTube and see the new content we put together for you. So there you have it, another episode in the books. So I'd love if you would hop on over to iTunes and leave us a rating and a review. Those mean everything to us. We love to hear what you're thinking. If you have a podcast guest that you can recommend, please pop on over to the Thriving Farmer podcast website and leave us a review. That's thrivingfarmerpodcast.com.